I don't do it to do it. I do it because I want that audience to have so much fun and to learn and to laugh and to cry and to and to and to feel connected, not not just to me, but to the other people in the audience, mm. to the event, to the moment. I want them hugging each other between sessions and talking about things and questioning things and wanting to to dig deeper into topics. Like I want, I want them to be so freaking jacked that Daniel's coming onto the stage that when it does Daniel could come out and rip a fart and they're gonna start clapping, <laughs> right? And the whole idea, and this goes for everything in my life. And and this is why people know I, I wear everything on my sleeve. I can't help that. It's who I am. In a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am sharing with you a conversation that I had had with Daniel Sung a few months ago. Uh, Daniel has become a near and dear friend to me, and he asked that I come on his show, The Buttoned Up Podcast, to talk about my experience as a keynote speaker. And I will tell you that this is the first time I've ever gone this deep into my thoughts, feelings, preparation, how I approach speaking to an audience, what it means to me, what I'm trying to deliver, my mindset, how I, you know, my physical health, my mental health, my energy, my focus, how all these things play a role in what I view as a performance. Uh, It's not a gig. It's not a presentation. I really view being a keynote speaker and, and really anytime you're in front of an audience of any sort, be it as a coach for a little league team or you're talking to uh, your team that you have at your office or your work, or you're speaking to a group of people who've attended an event like I do uh, most of the time, then viewing it as a performance brings a different type of energy, focus, and approach. And this has worked incredibly well for me. And as I continue to refine and hone my own skills as a keynote speaker, I thought it would be fun to share this because I go fairly deep and it's fairly dynamic conversation. And I think you're going to get a lot out of it, especially if you are looking to add public speaking to your repertoire of skills. So I was very pleased that Daniel uh, allowed me to repost this to you guys. Uh, I highly encourage you to subscribe to his podcast, The Buttoned Up Podcast. There'll be links in the show notes. He has a wonderful podcast, and Daniel's approach is so much different than mine, Uh, much more measured, much more thought out. Uh, I tend to be scattered, as you all know, and high energy and kind of out over my skis most of the time, and I embrace that as who I am. And I love the fact that Daniel comes at just about everything in life from a slightly different approach. Um, Though he is scared of nothing uh, as an absolute uh, just gangster when it comes to creating content, helping people, delivering value. And in a trip to Utah out of 12 guys, Daniel and I were the only ones to hit a thousand yard target um, when we were shooting guns. So we have that uh, kindred kindred relationship in being able to shoot uh, large guns at large distances. So uh, with that, I want to get on to Daniel. Uh, One quick note, guys, 
I have probably the biggest content project I've ever put together. It is really the download of my brain as it relates to growth. And it's going to be called the Insurance Growth Masterclass. If growth is something that you are interested in, if you've ever wanted to get a full download of everything I've learned over 18 plus years in the insurance industry, I want you to go to masterclass.insure. That's masterclass.insure. Masterclass.insure. Go to masterclass.insure today and just put your name and email in and you'll start getting information as we get closer to dropping um, this content project. Uh, I think this is going to be, um, I'm very proud of what it's becoming and I've wanted to share kind of the unadulterated full throttle uh, or unthrottled version of what I know, what I've learned uh, in my 18 plus years in the insurance industry for a long time. And, um, you know, based on the fact that Rogue no longer exists and uh, I'm now moving into more speaking, consulting, uh, coaching type work, uh, which if you have any questions around that, you can always just email me, Ryan um, at findingpeak.com and uh, just just uh, check it out, masterclass.insure. That's masterclass dot insure check it out today sign up get on the list and um, as that project gets closer to launch uh, you'll be getting notifications and have an opportunity to uh, engage in it if it's something that you want to do so with that uh, i want to give a huge shout out to daniel Siong. i highly encourage you to subscribe to his podcast the buttoned up podcast if you're not already and uh just appreciate him for letting me share this with you here we go ladies and gentlemen my name is daniel Siong, and i am honored to be your host of the Buttoned Up Podcast. Really excited today because I have one of my dear friends on the show. Uh, he is the founder and president of Road Risk, a first-of-its-kind human-optimized digital insurance agency creating sustainability for small businesses through insurance and the risk management. As a creator, strategist, and speaker, Ryan helps organizations create meaningful and sustainable long-term growth. His keynote presentations and customized workshops concentrate on implementing leadership, marketing, and sales initiatives within growth-focused organizations. Oh, and abundance-minded organizations. Yeah, that's a big Mr. part of it. Mr. Ryan Hanley. Daniel, it is such a pleasure to be on the show, man. I, uh, um, you, you said it, and it's completely mutual. Um, I feel like the last six months, year, maybe a little bit longer, our relationship has started to really um, kind of grow deeper and grow roots. And um, you have become one of my absolute favorite people. And uh, I'm so happy that we have had the chance to spend a lot of time in real life and really get to know each other on a deeper level and your, and your wife. And uh, it's, been, it's been such a pleasure, man. So I'm so, I'm so happy to be here. Well, that, that's a true, uh, likewise, likewise. And Folks, you always have to excuse me here. I'm a little bit under the weather uh, the last couple of weeks, and I'm I'm not sick, but I just had this darn throat or this cough. So you'll have to excuse me here. But Ryan, I, I wanted to bring you on specifically on the show here because there are so many things that you and I could talk about uh, and that you do speak about, you know, on stage and, you know, traveling the country and the world. But you just came back from the Insurance Soup Conference. Yes. And you were asked to MC the event. Yes, sir. Now, I can't tell you how many people were texting me throughout the couple of days 
saying what an incredible job you did. Oh, and, wow. and I think you were fired up because you probably felt the energy, like it, it was the right moment for you, you know, for those couple of days. Yeah. But one of the, one of the biggest fears that people have is public speaking. And you and I go to a lot of these events. I see you a couple of times a year and I see you on stage and you are different than any other person that I see within the insurance space. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of people are just uncomfortable and you see it. And it's not that they have a bad presentation, but they're just, they just haven't done it as much. Mm-hmm. So they stand there behind the podium or they'll kind of, you know, they want to, they notice that they're being a little stiff. So to loosen up, they'll walk three feet to the left, three feet to the right, but you can just tell. You, however, not only do you work the stage, you come down the stairs, you go into the audience, walk in the aisles of the audience, you spin around, hand gestures, tonality, rhythm, the way you dress. I notice it all. And what I notice more, I watch the audience, watch you. And you just see it in their eyes like, wow, this guy's a pro. Like he knows what he's doing and he knows what he's talking about. Now, I can guarantee you that you weren't always like this. Mm-hmm. But give us give us a little feedback on what it took to get to that point. Yeah. Um, yes. So one, thank you. Uh, that's maybe one of the nicest things that anyone's ever said. Uh, I want to be clear. Um, being in front of audiences is my favorite work thing in my life. Um, if someone were to ask me, like, you could do anything, you could do anything for work. And while, you know, as a kid, I may have said, be a baseball player. And maybe if I could have been a professional baseball player, I would choose that. But let's talking in real life today. Um, it's that is where I'm the happiest, uh, you know, outside of like being with my kids. So take that part out of it. Um, that's my place. Like when, like when, when Michael and Taylor asked me to MC Insurance Soup, um, you know, they kept saying, you know, we, we didn't know that you would be like this. And I said, dude, this is what I do. This is, this is, this is like breathing to me, like being there, putting on an experience for that audience. So, so, so I, I'll, I'm going to get to your question in a second, but just to give context, like I, don't do it to do it. I do it because I want that audience to have so much fun and to learn and to laugh and to cry and to and to and to feel connected, not not just to me, but to the other people in the audience, mm. to the event, to the moment. I want them hugging each other between sessions and talking about things and questioning things and wanting to to dig deeper into topics and especially when I MC, which which I haven't had a chance to do too much because of COVID and stuff lately, but I, I used to do a lot more, um, especially back in the Agency Nation days, because like a big part of that particular like a lot of a lot of people come in, they just now up, Daniel's young, you know what I mean? Here you go. And it's yeah. like, no. It's like you gotta prime that pump. Like I want, I want them to be so freaking jacked. That Daniel's coming onto the stage. And when it does, Daniel could come out and rip a fart and they're going to start clapping, <laughs> right? Like that's your job. Mm. And, and it's to create an experience. Like um, to start Elevate 2018, 
which is probably the, the the biggest emceeing event that I ever did. There was 825 people in that audience. Um, I kicked off that, uh, and, and this is actually on YouTube if you want to see it, but I kicked off that uh, event with a, a 12-minute talk, which I titled uh, Give a Shit. And and the whole idea, and this is, goes for everything in my life, and, and this is why people know I, I wear everything on my sleeve. I can't help that. It's who I am, right? If I'm, if I... For the things that I care about, it is so obvious. And for the things that I don't, it is also yeah. obvious. Yeah. But um, but but creating experiences for people um is just so meaningful to me. And 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 I take it so seriously. And I think about the engagement and the eyes and the way they're positioned in the room, how the how the how the sound, the sound, the way the the way people are sitting, like um, you know, if they're in circular tables, are they in classroom rows? Do they have benches in front where they can write? Are they spaced out? Are are we missing the first four rows because everyone's sitting in back and is hungover? What time now, of day? Now, when is last time they ate? Right. How much have they had to drink that day? Like, yeah. like these are all like, what was the presentation before? What was after? So, sure. so uh, I'm gonna get to your question right now, and I apologize, but I just wanted to give context to the fact that what I'm about to share with people. This is my most passionate work thing. Mm. Like, this is it for me. Like, all the other things that I do in life are the pay the bills because of what I want to do full time at some point in my life is this thing. This is what I love more than anything. So, okay. So, all that being said, how did I get there? Um, one, I have never ever in my life, and 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 I'd hate leaning on like natural abilities, but for whatever, there are a lot of things I'm not good at. I have never been afraid of being in front of people ever. It has never bothered me. Um, maybe it's because I was, I don't know. I have no idea why. Uh, my mom said that from the earliest ages, I just, I don't care what people think about me. Yeah. I care that they have a good time. I care that I add value to them. That That's not what I mean. I don't mean like, I'm going to say whatever I want and screw you. No. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what I mean. I mean that I am not, the reason people get uncomfortable is because instead of thinking about the value they want to add they're thinking about what people are thinking when they look at them. Well, sure. what if I do this? What if I say this? What if I don't? No. You, if you're going to be good on stage, you got to fully commit. Commit to the fact you're going to mess up, right? And, and we can get into the nuances of speaking and, and how we can do that. But so uh, from very early age, it never bothered me. Um, I've been the captain of every sports team I've ever played for. Mm. Uh, I've been uh, in leadership positions in college, in high school. Um, I've just... This is, it's just, I am okay being out in front because I have zero fear of failure. I mean, I've been fired from like four jobs that I worked at or, or asked to leave, uh, I guess, you know, one or the other. <laughs> um, and, and not, and I don't, I don't wear that as a badge of honor. I'm just saying like, I, it, failure does not bother me. So when I'm in front of an audience, I'm not thinking, oh my God, what if I move this way? Or what if I stumble over a word? Or what if. I don't, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I don't say something or my timing is off. I'm watching the audience and engaging with them like, like, like a, it's like a dance. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm dancing with them. That's the way I think about it. Like I am watching them and, and it's why when I do presentations, I don't do 80 slide presentations. Like Stromso did an 80 slide presentation. He's great at it. His style, what he does, it's awesome. It's tons of value. Right. And it's slide, 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 point, 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 tactic, 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 idea, idea, idea. It's awesome. It's all that is his style. My style is I want 
no more than a dozen slides max. That's even a lot. And I'm just flowing with you. Yeah. If I start down a topic and I can tell Daniel by your eyes that maybe that's that's not something this audience is really grabbing onto. Well, let's dig into it. Let's let's hit it from a different angle. They're not picking up on this idea. Some audiences will pick up on a topic like this and we'll just skip right off it and keep going because sure. they already got that thing. Well, right. I, so I, I think that's also you- being comfortable on stage, right? You're 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 able to take, kind of take a breath and yeah. just being being able to read the room a little bit. Now yeah. let me let me ask you this, because yeah. you are one of the ones that puts out more video content than anybody I know. Yeah. Would you say that that's a great on-ramp to getting comfortable speaking on stage as yeah. maybe working on some videos? Yeah, I think that, so, so he, you have to be feeling, I read voraciously and I listen to podcasts and I talk to people. Like if I'm in a room with you and you're talking about your business, I am listening to every word that you say and I'm taking it in and I'm, I'm creating derivative ideas that that fit my life and my world or, or or how I can understand what you're saying, right? And I'm constantly listening, constantly taking things in. So when I'm on stage, I may have a goal, right? So 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 basically how I view it is I have a starting point and I have an ending point. And I have no clue how we're going to get there. I have ideas, right? I've I've run the race before, but there's like 17 bazillion different paths that I could take to get here. I know I want to get here. I want you to understand X concept at the end of this and believe X thing. And at Insurance Soup, it was the idea that I wanted them to take away uh, this concept of the of the one thing. It's, a, it's Gary Keller's book. I highly recommend everyone read it. Um, but it's this idea of the one thing. And just, I read this book a couple of weeks ago and um, I just wanted... I, like when I was thinking about insurance soup and what I wanted the narrative to be, uh, I thought to myself, this is what I want. I want them to take one thing away, one powerful concept. And I just wanted to hit it from every angle. So so that was the narrative. I didn't know what I was going to say when I went out. Like sometimes right before I would go out, I'd be taking some notes on my phone just to like lock in some ideas on my head. And then I just go out and talk. But it's because I'm constantly filling my brain with ideas. And then practicing those ideas in, on social media. So like Instagram is basically practice for my speaking, yeah. right? It's, I'm going to say something a certain way and see how it responds. This one didn't do that well. No one really commented or liked it. They didn't like, doesn't mean the idea was bad. It just means it wasn't bad. What's up, guys? Sorry to take you away from the episode, but as you know, we do not run ads on this show. And in exchange for that, I need your help. If you're loving this episode, if you enjoy this podcast, whether you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, I would love for you to subscribe, share, comment if you're on YouTube, leave a rating review if you're on Spotify or Apple iTunes, et cetera. This helps the show grow. It helps me bring more guests in. We have a tremendous lineup of people coming in, uh, men and women who've done incredible things, sharing their stories around peak performance, leadership, growth sales, the things that are going to help you uh, grow as a person and grow your business, but they all check out comments, ratings, reviews. They check out all this information before they come on. So as I reach out to more and more people and want to bring them in and share their stories with you, I need your help. Share the show, subscribe if you're not subscribed, and I'd love for you to leave a comment about the show because I read all the comments, or if you're on Apple or Spotify, leave a rating review of this show. 
I love you for listening to this show and I hope you enjoy it listening as much as I do creating the show for you. All right, I'm out of here. Peace. Let's get back to the episode. Package properly. Okay, let's wait a week. I'm going to repackage that idea this way. Let's see how it goes. Oh, wow. That hit a nerve. People really like that. Let's take note of that and let's start to dial in because packaging that idea this way works really well. Um, I, you know, I think, uh, um, you know, so I've done north of, I lost count at 350 speaking events. Um, about and that's 90, over how many years? How many years? Uh, I, my very first one was 2009. I spoke at the National Young Agents Conference for the Big Eye in San Francisco. That was my first real speak. I did a couple local ones, but my first real speaking event was that event in 2009. So that's 14 years ago. Um, I'd say probably 80% of those are paid speaking gigs. Mm. Um, and, you know, I do free events every once in a while, like Insurance Soup was free, but I really love Michael and Taylor and I wanted to be in front of their audience. And um, I thought it was a tremendous opportunity to meet a bunch of new people and, and they're, I really like that group. Yeah. So um, okay. that was a, a solid value proposition for me. Yeah, but, I, I, I have a question here. So. Yeah. I notice people have a certain certain type of style when they speak, and I'm talking about their dress code. Yep. You're, I'm, or I'm more like you, where, um, you know, if I'm on stage, I, I don't know, call it old school, call it, you know, traditional. You know, I'm gonna be suited up. It just, it just who I am and how I'm comfortable with. Now, some people out there in t-shirts, hats, jeans, which is totally great, and I think the venue or the event has something to do with that. I always notice you are in a dress shirt, a blazer. I mean, you're just you're you're yeah. looking the part. You're yeah. Why do you do that? Because I want people to know that I'm serious. Mm. I think that look, if you want to go the Mark Zuckerberg hoodie thing, I think that's cool. But unless you're Mark Zuckerberg, people aren't going to take you seriously. You come out in a ratty polo and jeans that don't fit and work boots, right? Because you're you're this is who you are. Sure, but people don't take you as seriously, right? Like. I take this work very, very seriously. When I'm out there, it's um, this is this is what I do. It's what I love, and I want you to know, hey, I'm I'm serious about what I'm doing right now. This isn't me showing up. I've thought about it. I've prepped for it. You know what I mean? Like I'm not hungover. I'm you know maybe depending on airplanes and travel, sometimes you have to rock and roll on limited sleep, but like. You know, outside of that, like I'm ready to go. Like I'm, I was up, I'm prepared, I'm ready to kill. I'm here to help you, whatever, you know, I'm here to bring max value to you. And I think that when you show up, you know, unless you're specifically told by the uh, event organizers to not do that, which I've never had happen ever, I think a speaker should always be the best dressed person in the audience. Yeah, I, like, I, I agree. I, I think it shows to me, it shows a lack of commitment and seriousness when you, you know, I'm going to be casual. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you're not taking it seriously. Like, yeah. why should I listen to you? If you can't, if you can't make the effort to look sharp, then why should I make the effort to give you my max attention? I, uh, you know, any, anytime I have spoken, I, up until literally the last second until I get announced or come up on stage, I'm, I'm fighting these anxiety attacks that that happen within myself. My yeah. heart starts beating faster. Or I start doubting. I'm totally mic'd up, but 
I almost want to just take off the mic and just run to my room. Yeah, yeah. I've I've had those moments, and um, I continue to have those moments. And yeah, and even I just I was with you last week at Mick and yep. Marcy's wedding. Yeah, you know something so casual and so just non-threatening like that. You know, uh, Mick asked me to kind of lead the ceremony, and I was getting stressed out. Dude, you crushed. You well, crushed. Yeah, well, you thank you, but, but but I I was totally getting stressed out. But and I was practicing the intro, you know, because uh, I didn't want to ruin it for them. But what's your advice for somebody? Because as good as you are, and as much as you love presenting and speaking and being up there on stage, I guarantee you, even Ryan Hanley gets nervous. Yeah. What what's Dude, your record? What, how do you overcome that? If you don't if you don't get anxiety before you speak, then you're doing something wrong. Mm. It means that you're not you're not pushing hard enough. If you're, if you're just, if you're, if you show up and it's just like, you know, whatever that you're, you're not pushing hard enough. You're not trying to be the best that you can be. Like I want to hit every line, every joke. I want to hit every moment. I want every eye in that room on me at all times. I want them to stop eating. I don't want them drinking water. I don't want them looking at their phone. I want them on me because for 45 to 90 minutes, I'm there working. And, and, and that to me is anxiety. It creates anxiety because the other thing too is I have the propensity to say stupid shit. So I also have to, you know, cause I have a crass sense of humor. I am a conservative and have no problem saying jokes against liberals. <laughs> I, you know, I have like these things that sometimes, so I have to like, know my audience there are audiences where like that doesn't go over very well like That's right i made a sex joke in nebraska one time and it went over very poorly now the reason i did it is because i use sex jokes as a way to capture people's attention when i'm speaking post lunch so after lunch is one of the toughest after lunch and the and the closing keynote are in my opinion are the two toughest times to speak yeah because people just got food they're talking about whatever their weekend, their golf, and now they're supposed to lock back in on you. Yeah. So a lot of times post lunch, which is where I was at this point, and nothing. I love the people in Nebraska. This isn't anything <laughs> against them. Just you know, they're a little more conservative, and uh, and 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 I'm post lunch, and I come on, and uh, I can tell I don't have them. Right. I can tell they're not. They're not back yet. They haven't reacclimated to being in the auditorium. This is this and, is pre joke or post joke. This is this is pre-joke. Pre so I'm okay. I'm scanning, I'm watching. So so before the thing, uh, I will like glad hand, glad hand, glad hand. And about five to ten minutes before I go on stage, I kind of start to separate myself. And what I'm doing is watching the audience. What what is glad hand? What is that? Like uh shaking hands, oh, kissing, gotcha. bro hugging, how are you doing? Gotcha. Great to see you, kind of stuff. Around five to ten minutes before the presentation, I will separate myself from that and just watch the audience. I'm just watching them. I'm watching them sit. How do they interact with each other? Are they comfortable? How much attention do I naturally have? Who are the people that are going to be troublemakers? Like, I don't mean troublemakers in a bad way, but people who may be talking or doing other things. Like, I want to know the scope of the audience before I go live. So, um, so I'm watching that. So I'm watching and I can just tell right away. I'm like, I, this is going to be work. Like, they're, they're, they're not locked in. And that's not a knock on them. They just, you know, that happens. Um, they're coming right off a of lunch, right back yeah. into another thing, into another session after, you know, a three session morning. So like I was the fourth session of the day 
So I get out there and to be honest, I'm I'm not even going to try to say what I said because I can't exactly remember, but I have this sometimes I say this thing where like I'll I'll a pretty standard line is I'll be like whatever I'm talking about, it's like sex. I fucking love it. Right? Like something like that, right? Wait, so you just, wait, you said you effing love it? Yeah, yeah. yeah you said yeah, the yeah. word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuz I cuz you know, so sex saying the word sex and f bombs tend to snap people's attention back. So oh, I'm not yeah. doing and, it to be well, shocked. you got their attention, that's for sure. Yes. Got their attention, not necessarily in a good way. Yeah. Um, the, the few younger kids who were in this audience, they thought it was funny and I had them, but some of the, some of the stodgy old white guys in back were not, they were not impressed with that language. And I did, got a couple of head shakes and a couple. Did, did, did anybody walk up and leave? No, no, no one, okay. no one got up and left, but I could tell, I, well, one, I had their attention, but they did not appreciate it. So, um, so then the next couple jokes that I had, uh, didn't necessarily hit as good. Like, again, it, it was very age specific, you know, <laughs> you and didn't I, know your audience there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was when I learned don't swear and use sex jokes in the Midwest. They do yeah. not appreciate that kind of stuff, which yeah. again, is fine. Now I know, I mean, this was probably four or five years ago, but, um, but like it, that was a good lesson. Uh, but yeah, so so I have little things that I'll do um, to kind of capture their attention. Like if I see someone's not really paying attention, I'll work my way over to them in the audience right. and I'll use them as an example. Um, or I'll, you know, I'll touch them on the shoulder as I'm talking or I'll get like right up next to them and kind of yeah. look and speak directly to them. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, and also, Ryan, I also noticed just the fact that you're walking by them, you don't have to engage with them, touch them or look at just the fact that you're walking by them kind of wakes them up a little bit. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're feeling the energy around them. Yes. So that, that 100% works. Yes. Yeah. So it's, you know, and I learned that trick from, um, from Marcus Sheridan, who's a good buddy of mine. He wrote, they ask you answer. He's been to a lot of insurance conference, uh, insurance events. Um, he's a tremendous, tremendous speaker. And uh, that's one of the things that I picked up from him. I've kind of made it my own, but uh, he's really big on names. I don't do the names thing. Um, that's his thing. I don't. I don't do the names thing. He will. He will. Uh, part of his contract will be that he'll. Everyone has to wear a name tag. Everybody in the audience has to wear a name tag. And and before he goes live, he will literally write people's names down and hand them stickers for them to put on, so that he knows their names. And he'll call them by name as he's working the audience. I don't do that. That's that's his thing. I think that's very cool. Um, I don't. Um, now, now, Ryan, Ryan, yeah. why you got to share with the audience because this is gold right here. Why does he do that? Because it, it it makes one. So there's a couple of reasons. One, it makes it a wholly unique experience. In that event, it was Tammy. Tammy's going to have a specific thing. He's going to ask her a question. Tammy's going to give him a response. He can now engage with Tammy directly, um, and and it makes it a unique experience. Two. Everybody who knows Tammy wants to know what Tammy's going to say. Everyone who doesn't know Tammy wants to know who Tammy is and what Tammy's going to say. Yeah. It also, and this is a key for, for anyone out there who's listening who's a young speaker, uh, you need to build breaks into your presentation, okay? Some people use silence. Some people use um, a video. Some people may use a complicated chart that people have to take a second. Some people use surveys. Marcus, in, in his, for his, uh, you know, sometimes he'll use this interaction with Tammy as a way to let his brain reset and kind of, it's almost like a subheading 
in a blog, right? This is a, we're kind of changing topics or redirecting or giving his, himself a chance. I have a slide. I purchased this. Um, so a slide that I've used for years that is, that is exactly what this is for me is um, it's just a big ass bear face. And anyone who's ever seen me speak has probably seen the big ass bear face slide. It is meaningless. It's literally a meaningless slide. And I put it right around where I know I'm going to start to run out of gas for a second or need a quick break. And what I'll do is I'll click to the bare face and everyone will kind of chuckle because it's just a stock photo of a big ass like close up on a bare face. And, and I'll just kind of click it and I'll be silent. And people are like, what the heck is that? Like people, people don't know what it is. And then I'll kind of, and, and again, I've done this so many times. I'll kind of turn, I'll look at it and I'll go, that's just a badass bear face. And everyone will laugh, right? And what I'm doing is letting my brain kind of cool down, right? I'm letting my, my thoughts kind of collect during this moment. And I'll, and I'll work kind of slow through this section for a second. Um, and I'm also letting my audience catch back up a little bit because I tend to work fast through certain sections. And, um, and, I'll, and I'll, I have, I'll be like, you know what? And this is true. I'll be like, you know, I paid $3.25 for this photo. And everyone will kind of chuckle at that. And I'm like, and I'll just kind of stare at it for a second. And then depending on how the audience is engaging, I'll say, man, I just, I would never want to be this close to a bear. Uh-huh. And everyone will kind of chuckle at that. And uh, and then, um, and I'll click the side and bam, off to the races. And that whole section might take 90 seconds, maybe, maybe, maybe two minutes. But what it allows the audience to do is settle for a second. It allows my brain to cool down for a second. And it gives us this transition point from one topic to another topic that has a little bit of humor and is a little off color. It's kind of like if you're at a really expensive restaurant and they give you uh, the sherbet or whatever they give you to kind of cleanse your palate before you get to the steak. You know what I mean? You're at a really good steakhouse. They let you cleanse your, that's kind of what it is. I'm kind of cleansing the audience's palate for a second before we move on to something you know, not necessarily like a completely different topic, but before we start building again, I want everyone to be able to go. Yeah, it's a transition. Transition. Yes. And right. um and I just picked that up like a while ago. Um, and I don't to be honest with you, I've been doing that slide for so long, I don't even know where it came from at this point. Um, but I do know I paid three dollars and twenty five cents for it on some stock photography website. How important is tonality? Oh, it's it's everything. It's so when you speak, um, again, and I don't want anyone to think I'm a fucking master. I'm not. Um, you know, my goal in the next five years is to be a consistent five-figure speaker. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've been there a couple times, but it's not consistent. Um, we'll get there. That being said, when, you, when, you're, when you're on stage, you, you have a couple options. You can stand there and just deliver a message. That's fine. People will tell you you did a good job, especially if you have some insights that aren't are you know deep or helpful. Um, and that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that. To me, it's not a presentation; it's a performance. Mm. So when I think about what I'm doing, I'm performing. This is this is like a comedy routine. It's a it's a one man show. It's a uh, it's it it this. I want people to to be up and down and laugh and maybe get a little introspective and and I want them to know that 
you know, they're not alone if they're scared or, or you know, I, I want them to work through a series of emotions and ideas and come out the other end with a core idea and a core tactic or strategy to take away, right? That's really my goal is, is whatever that end goal is, I want to get there. Okay. So when I think about it, I'm not just thinking about what I'm saying. I've, in fact, I'm rarely thinking about what I'm saying because, and again, this goes back to reading, prepping, preparing, right? Like that I don't go into a, to a presentation. Like even when I started, I've done a, a bunch of presentations recently with no slides. And a lot of people will say, well, geez, how much did you prepare for that? A fuck ton. Because to do a presentation with no slides means you have to hold the audience for 45 to 90 minutes with zero visual backup. Yeah, right. right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a no slides guy myself. Yeah. Too, man. I, I, like, I like to have my little notes with me, but I, I like to just flow and just yes. go with it. Yeah, I'm 100%, yes, 100% with you. But you to get there, you have to have read researched, prepped, prepared, outlined, thought through, examples, life experiences. Like like there are, like people will be like, oh man, like I had a buddy locally here and he was busting my chops. He's like, um, the first time I ever uh, made five figures in a gig, I made, I, I booked a $12,000 gig. So excited for it, it was amazing. Um, and he goes, geez, $12,000 for one hour must be nice. And I'm like, you don't understand. I probably put 12,000 hours worth of work to get to the point where I could make 12 grand in one hour speaking. Now it's not one hour because you have to travel there and all this. It's, you know, it's not like you're, yes, you're on stage for maybe an hour, but it's not an hour's worth of work. That being said, what most people and most speakers who are struggling to get ahead don't realize is that it's all the work before you get on stage that matters. This is like being a professional athlete, right? Like, you know, um, Take uh, like uh, uh, who's um, who's a great um, geez, why is no one coming to mind? Uh, uh, a great baseball player right now, Ronald Cunha Jr. Right, so anyone's listening knows Ronald Cunha Jr. from the Braves. The guy went first guy in how many years ago? Forty seventy. No one ever thought it would be done. Right, absolute monster. Do you think Ronald Cunha Jr. just showed up one day and was able to hit forty home runs and steal seventy bases? No, since the kid was five, he's been fielding ground balls doing sprints, agility drills, hitting balls off a tee, hitting soft toss, hitting in games, working on his swing, doing dry swings over and over and over. And, and in sports, everybody's like, well, yeah, of course. Or take Michael Jordan, right? I'm, I'm going through Tim Grover's, uh, Tim Grover has an awesome series out right now called Breakthrough. Um, it's, it's paid, but it's phenomenal. Tim Grover trained Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. If you listen or you read his books, Relentless and Winning, Paradiso talks about these books all the time. They're phenomenal. Um, Kobe Bryant on the court was what we saw, but Kobe Bryant was only Kobe Bryant on the court because of who he was before he got on the court. And that 100% translates to public speaking. That is absolutely, you are as good as your preparation because what's going to happen is the sound's going to go out. What do you do then? What do you do if you do have visuals and, and you go blue smoke on the computer and back and all of a sudden you have no visuals? What happens when you get an audience member who's hung over and decides that today he's going to be an asshole and he's going to yell out things in the middle of your presentation. What happens when, you know, the ringleader uh, of some young agents event uh, who's like 55 years old decides to sit in the middle of the room and tell you that everything you're saying doesn't apply to him and his community, mm-hmm. right? How are you going to work that? How are you going to work when uh, only half the audience shows up? 
How are you going to work when double the audience shows up? How are you going to work when um, the 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 event organizers having a bad day and is, sc- is screwing around and everything's late and now all of a sudden you're supposed to have an hour and you have 37 minutes. What are you going to do then? You're going to be a pro and crush it for 37 minutes. You're going to bitch. You're going to complain. What are you going to do? Right. To me, you are only as good as your preparation. And and you were asking me before we went live about finding peak, this, this kind of side hustle hobby thing that I'm kind of creating yeah. um, on the side, which, you know, a lot of people have hobbies. This is my hobby. I love creating, right? It, it, it helps me in my job, but I love creating. And the reason is because to me, the ideas of discipline, purpose, intention, focus, meaning these things are preparation and, and you can, you can only be at your best if you're prepared. You can only be at your best in the moment. You can't be thinking, what do I say next? When someone has to turn around, I know a speaker is either young or doesn't actually care. And I mean young in the business, not necessarily young in age. When they have to turn, when they turn around, like look at their slide and it's unintentional, right? If it's part of the performance, that's different, but it's rarely part of the performance. It's, oh, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to say next. What slide am I on? You haven't prepared. You haven't, you don't deserve to get paid. You haven't prepared for this event if you're doing that, right? Like, like you, you need to be prepared. So in the moment, you're not thinking about what you're saying. You're, I'm watching the eyes. I'm watching body language. I'm listening to the feedback. How loud do they laugh? How do they clap? Has anyone gotten up and gone to the bathroom? Has a group, has someone looked at their cell phone, right? I'm, I'm, I'm scanning to see is the event organizer and back. So, so, you know, when you're doing a good job, you know what happens? The person who hired you comes into the room and stands in the back and watches you. Mm. That's how you know you're doing well because Mm. that event organizer has a shit ton of stuff to do. And if they've stopped that stuff to come watch you work, you're doing, you're either doing really bad or really well. And you usually know which one of those things is. So like, these are the things that you're not saying, you're not thinking, what do I say next? The words are just coming out of your mouth or because, because you have prepped and you, and it's just, who you are it's just flowing from you the 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 next level the level that gets you paid that gets you on bigger stages that gets you front of and more dynamic and demanding audiences is when you are in the moment and reacting to the stimuli as they come to you and the materials just flowing out of you as a natural recourse of what you're experiencing. And, and like you said, all that just takes practice and being on stage practice, multiple practice, times, practice, right? Practice, and getting comfortable practice. with it. A couple rapid fire questions here. And yes. give me 10 second answers. Yes. Your favorite topic to speak on. Uh, favorite topic is probably leadership and growth. Uh, most requested topic is sales and marketing. How has speaking affected your personal life? Uh, it's probably the reason that I got divorced. We won't go into that. <laughs> uh, what is, give, give us, there's there's a lot of people right now sitting back at home wishing that they can go up there on stage and feel comfortable as you. Give us something, give us something, one piece of advice right now that would help us button up our performance or but help us button up our comfort level. Yeah, you're going to have to get rid of your ego. Mm. Uh, meaning that's a big one. Um, that's a big one because we're all yeah. we're always we're all worried about what are other people thinking of us. Yeah, right. And and but, you're yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, because you're gonna suck. You're gonna do things that are wrong. You're gonna mm. misstep. You're gonna miss topics. You're gonna miss words. You're gonna say something you don't mean. Um, <laughs> if you think of it as like a performance, then it's okay. 
right? If you think of it as a presentation, you feel, oh, I'm selling these people. No, think of it as a performance. You're going to mess up. I mess up all the time. You know what I do? Sometimes I go, ah, you know what? I didn't mean that. Right in the middle of the presentation, I was like, ah, you know, I didn't, that's not exact. Let me, let me, let me reframe that. I, I said this, but I, you know, I, let me reframe that idea. I'll say that right in the middle of the presentation because to me, uh, you know, and we saw this, Daniel, in real time in Utah at the Lions Not Sheep event with Jordan Peterson. To me, the way Jordan Peterson presents, where the dude just walks out on stage, kind of scans the audience, he's got his hand on his face, he's looking at everybody, and then he just starts talking. And you can almost feel, and the way he's got these very unique hand movements, which are, are like intoxicating to me, you know, and they like really draw you in because it's almost as if he's reaching out and grabbing these ideas and pulling them into his brain in real time as he's thinking through these things. And you can tell that maybe some stimuli in the last three days, even if I've heard him talk about this topic before, something he read, something he saw, something he experienced slightly changed the way he approaches it today. And that to me is a real performance, right? Yes, you need to be able to repackage your ideas and do it over and over again because that's how you get better. But it doesn't mean you always have to deliver it exactly the same way. And that's where people get messed up. They're like, well, last time I said it, bop, bop, bop. This time I said it, you know, this way, I screwed up. You didn't screw up. That's the way you felt it needed to be delivered today. Right. And, and, it, right. and maybe it doesn't work. Okay, you just learned one way not to deliver that message. So when you can, when you can give up that ego part and you can just understand, look, I could do this 10,000 times and still make mistakes. You, you, it frees you to be able to experience the moment with the audience versus feeling that you need to be perfect, which will never happen. That's right. That's right. You know, Ryan, I, this was, um, I was excited to have you speak on this topic because as much, um, obviously you have the Ryan Henley podcast. You, you're, you've been in the industry for so long. You've been on several other podcasts, shows, YouTube channel, everything else. And, and uh, I asked you, hey, have you ever spoken about this topic? And you said no. So I'm very excited to um, yeah. have you come on and talk about this. And you know, I really do believe there's somebody right now, right now in their car listening to this or at work or at home or in the gym listening to this podcast right now. And they, they hear your passion. They feel your passion. And there's something that you said today on this show. Because I've always said there's going to be that one moment that one person says that one thing that changes their life forever. And I think this is going to be the show for a lot of people. So oh I want gosh. to just thank you for your friendship, brother. I want to, I want yeah. to thank you for just, um, you know, being who you are. But what is a great, what's a way for um, venues or events or uh, anybody to reach out to you uh, for any speaking engagements or just questions? Yeah, yeah. So um, you can go to my website, ryanhanley.com. Uh, you can email me at ryan at findingpeak.com. You can go to findingpeak.com. I have a newsletter, podcast, whatever. Check all that stuff out. And, um, you know, my my full-time job and and where I put all the ideas that I talk about into actual practice uh, is roguerisk.com. You can go check out um, the insurance agency there as well. So any of those places, you can get a hold of me, all the socials. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fairly active because as I said, I use social media as practice for testing ideas, concepts, thoughts, ways of delivering messages that ultimately come through in, you know, the the speaking gigs. So um, just appreciate the hell out of you, man. I think that your way, uh, I, I admire your uh, calm and 
collected demeanor and the way that you uh, are able to to navigate things, difficult situations, difficult conversations with uh, um, an, an emotional uh, consistency that is uh, feels impossible to me. But um, but uh, it, it's just so much fun. I appreciate the opportunity. And um, as always, I wish you nothing but the best, brother. I love you, brother. Bye. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh,